Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses World with the World War II gave us writing for Godot and Oklahoma. Without the arts, we are diminished. We had the kind of creative freedom. I was, I was on television as a child, and then I had I was in Cotty's happy hour. She leaned across to me and she said, one day, you know, you'll be doing that. Mind-boggling. They were even lined with purple leather. Uh, went to the ABC and audition. I was so fit at the end of that, you could have ended me in the Melbourne Cup. I, and I still firmly believe that great work can be made in small places. If nobody's going to respect your talent, you've got to respect it. I hope I've been entertaining, that's all. Well, that's very kind of you, Peter. But you are a friend. And <laughs> <laughs> as are you. Yeah, it's a date. <laughs> it's a date. Hello. It's great to have your company for this episode of The Stages Podcast. I'm Peter Ayers, and my guest today is Bev Kennedy. With over 40 commercial musical productions to her credit, Bev Kennedy is omnipresent in orchestra pits, rehearsal rooms, and on stages. As a musical director and accompanist, she has contributed to a vast array of shows that include Heather's, Mac and Mabel, Gutenberg, Wicked, The Lion King and The Pirates of Penzance. Bev is not only a musician who helps craft great musical theatre, her domain also includes cabaret, the concert stage and roles as a respected consultant and teacher. She's currently the talent coordinator for Sydney's premier cabaret venue, Claire's Kitchen. Bev is beloved by all who have the privilege to work with her. Her impish charm and gentle manner endear her to musicians, performers and audiences alike. This podcast wouldn't be called Stages without the addition of Bev Kennedy to our cast podcast of characters. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Bev Kennedy. Do you do much Zooming? I Well, I have been lately, yes. Yes, I've been doing Zoom classes for the Actors' Centre with... with, um, with Margie de Ferranti, who I have to say is a, um, I mean, apart from, you know, being one of the most glorious humans on the planet, is also a, a tech whiz. So, which puts me to shame because we're, we're about the same age and I'm bloody hopeless, you know. I'm just not in the least bit technically minded and she is all over it. Yeah. So, so, how, so how, do, how does that work? Is, is Margie in a particular part of town and the students are in another part of town? And, yes, and then, yes. And you're, so, you're accompanying them, are you? Well, we can't really on Zoom because um, there's time delay. Right. So what I have to do is record backings for the students and then the students perform the songs to us and we give them feedback so um yeah so i can't actually play live which is a bit frustrating but at the same time it is a good thing for me um to to fill up my time by doing backings for the students that, that's yes. interesting you, you should say that you know feeling frustrated not being able to play like a ballet dancer who has to be at the bar every day are you at the keyboard every day do you do is do you play every day uh I have to be honest. I'm, I I can be a little bit lazy sometimes. I I tend to. Um, um, I I do play a lot because I'm always seeming like every time I have to do a a, a gig or uh, learn new repertoire, I practice that. So there's always music that I have to learn. Um, but I very rarely get the chance or or feel the inclination to just play for myself but but I have to say that that during lockdown I have been dragging out some of the um, some of my old favorites and brushing up and and just playing for the enjoyment of it and and it's been absolutely beautiful to to reacquaint myself with with my old mate the piano so yeah I have been playing a lot lately which has just been delightful and and a little bit scary because <laughs> you know that the technique isn't what it used to be in some ways but but um then again it's 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 also evolved in other ways you know i'm glad you find, found that joy yeah. because i i guess because music is your profession uh sitting down and playing the piano might seem like work some days 
It, it is always work. And that's, um, uh, that's the, the, the other side to the sword. You know, I, I think everything has a duality. And, you know, there's, there's that, that saying that the double-edged sword. So, so there's always a, um, a, a flip side to, to everything, I think, you know. And, and I find that um, uh, quite often uh, after I've been working long hours, you know, as a rehearsal pianist, six days a week, you know, 10-hour days, all I want is silence and Judge Judy, and that's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your guilty pleasures. Yes, yes. I, I've heard that from a few yeah. musicians that um, to, for the downtime, it's not necessarily listening to a particular genre of music. It's it's just the quiet, the silence. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I really enjoy um, just. Um, not not being away from music, but but I I quite often find that it's 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 very rare to not be listening critically. Mm. You know, even when I I go to to shows or, or concerts, it's 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 a rare thing for me to um, to not listen with with my work ears or my critical ears. So, but um, the, it, it's not always the case. It depends upon the artist and the act and the show and, and whatnot. And um, and it's certainly a real treat when I get to um, experience uh, a musician where I can just sit and relax and 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 let the the music just wash over me and 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 enjoy it as a you know completely um, soul experience. I suppose, yeah. Do you, do you have a favourite genre of music, Bev? Um, that's that's such a big question um, because in reality, I I trained as a classical pianist, and so um, I I I, um, I love that sort of music, and then I think when I was about thirteen or so, I discovered jazz. So um, you know, I love I love my jazz and and R and B, and I was also a little bit of a rebel <laughs> when I was thirteen, or, or you know, hit that that's that difficult stage, and I discovered rock music so i i try and immerse myself and, and listen to to as much music as i possibly can and so i i couldn't really say that there's there is any one particular style of music that i love more than any other um i think the the only eras of music that that i don't enjoy are 50s and 60s pop i <laughs> I cannot stand that era. So don't ever ask me to play the show Grease. I, I could, I could never do that. I could never do that show, or or you know an Elvis tribute show or something like that. I, I just can't stand it. But they would be that would be the only era that 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 I I don't enjoy. But apart from that, I love. I I love everything as long as it's done well and and. Or, or, not even done well, but but done with heart, I suppose, yeah, or performed with heart, I should say. Yeah. So you love all your children. It's interesting yes. that you talk about the discovery of jazz. It would seem to be the antithesis of classical music. You know, classical being so rigid and in its time and structure, and then jazz, which is so free and and easy. Um. Well, look, it's it's actually uh, I. I didn't go down the the path of being a jazz musician, and 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 it's one of the the very few regrets I have in my life. Um, I had a bit of a scary run in with a a jazz teacher when I was at a very very vulnerable age, and so I I, I do have to admit that that jazz scares me a little bit, um, even though I do love it as a, a genre and a and a medium. Um, I'm not so scared of it now um, because I'm allowing myself to just be a bit braver. Um, but it is amazing and astounding 
the similarities and the parallels between classical and and jazz music because there's um, there's basic mathematical structures that that um, that form the basis of all music and 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 it's really just a, a stylistic stamp that's that that's placed upon those those basic rules that create a style for for want of a better word um, so there uh, there are surprising parallels between jazz and classical and um, just getting back to my my lovely students at at um, the actors center um, because we were meant to have a, a concert um, this week which of course we're not able to do now with with lockdown we're having to um, come up with with new classes for them so um, just last week we were doing some fundamentals of, of music and I came across a um, a piece of music that was the earliest piece of music that's that's actually been notated um, and someone has um, deciphered this and it was written on a clay tablet in cuneiform writing from the year 3400 BC so we're actually predating the hieroglyphs and um, cuneiform writing informed um, hieroglyphs which then went on to become you know western writing so someone has has um, taken the time to uh, decipher this this actual musical piece and to listen to it um, it's played on a a, a lyre so that's l-y-r-e not l-i-a-r <laughs> um, which you know went on to sort of become the lute or the harp which you know then became the the guitar, or you know that's the sort of natural progression of those musical instruments. And to listen to this piece of music, it could be a song by Radiohead or Sting. It follows modern day progressions. It sounds like a pop tune, and there's also this little jazz run in there, and it's absolutely mind blowing. So. You know, for, for anyone who's interested, it's on the Classic FM website and it's really worth listening to. And I played it to the students and, you know, minds blown and um, including mine. Um, so um, I've, I've, I've kind of lost where we started with that but um oh no i thought th anyway. there was a lovely segue lovely well i think it got uh, back to do with with mass i mean and you look at those ancient civilizations <laughs> like egypt etc building the pyramids a lot of mathematics was involved yes yeah yeah and and music is is pure mathematics which i um i i don't approach it from I, I don't think of myself as being clever in terms of of, of mathematics. Um, so, um, and, and I even get mixed up with with left brain and right brain. That's that's how, you know. I'm I'm definitely a creative. So I think mathematics is left brain, um, whereas I think of and approach music purely from an artistic perspective so I, I don't think of it in terms of mathematics even though it is pure mathematics and 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 it does follow um, very clear um, structures and 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 patterns and 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 the, the the irony is that my husband is actually a, a mathematician and and a brilliant one Russian I'm married to a Russian mathematician <laughs> you know and I'm the complete opposite but but in in some ways, well, there's, you know, we we have a lot in common, you know, but but we just approach things from from opposite ends of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> he he counts sheep sheep uh, he counts sheep at night, and you sing sheep. <laughs> yeah, badly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, Bev Kennedy, you're the the girl from Marrickville who dreamed of becoming a professional musician. H have all your dreams come true? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> you, you've been able to tick a few um, things off your, your fear list. 
I have. I'm. I'm. I'm impressed you've done your research and found out that I'm from Marrickville. <laughs> I actually went to school with Jeff Fennick. Would you believe? So, the Marrickville yeah. Mauler. The Marrickville Mauler. That's that's the environment that I grew up in. Marrickville was such a rough place. Um, back in the day, it's not like the, the hip urban um, centre that it is now. It was rough. And I always say that growing up in Marrickville was an education in itself. And it was. It really was. Um, it was very uh, working class. My parents were working class people. And um, my Dad was actually a wharf labourer, so I have um, unionism stamped on my DNA. And um, shout out to the MEAA. Um, so, and I make no apologies for that. My dad, as a wharf labourer, used to say that he was the only wharfie in Australia who had a grand piano at his house, and I think that was probably true, <laughs> even though it was gifted to me by my grandmother. So. Um, was this a pianola? Yes. So, no, it was a grand piano. Right. We, we had a grand piano, yeah. But Nan, Nan yes. had a pianola, didn't she? My, my Nan, how did, you, how did you find all this out? <laughs> you well, have done your more, research. Tell me more, Miss Bev. Tell me more. Okay. All right. Look, this is a really lovely story. So, I, so my grandmother had a, a pianola, which she bought during the Depression. And um, and I found out, and I think this is such a lovely fact, and it's like people now in the pandemic that we're going through, are, I think desperate for, for the arts, you know, um, and, you know, people are, are certainly, you know, but people say they're binging on Netflix. Well, before Netflix, um, back in the Depression, when there was no money, there was actually a boom in sales of pianolas and and radios i don't know if they call them radios I think or, crystal so, sets weren't they i'm not sure um but anyway my somehow or other radiogram radiograms yeah. yeah so my my grandmother bought a pianola during the depression and it was a means of keeping the family together and because both my parents worked all of the grandkids used to congregate at my grandmother's house after school and she'd look after all of us and all my cousins were older than than me and they were all learning piano um and i used to copy everything that they did and they thought i was such a little brat and they hated me because i could do what they'd been working on for so long and anyway a um the catholic nun who used to teach them piano, Sister Dionysius, or Sister Dionysus, I think is a pre pre um, correct pronunciation. Um, it's a great stage uh, name. I, Sister Dionysus, I know. We, we used to call her Sister Dryan Dishes, isn't it? There's <laughs> 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 a special corner in hell for me for saying that. But I'm anyway, sure she would have she, laughed. No, she wouldn't have. She oh, was right, a cranky okay. old, oh, she was a tyrant. Um, but God love her, um, uh, she heard me playing and said, I think that girl's got talent. And my, initially my parents, who didn't have much money, said, look, we, we just don't think we can afford lessons and we can't afford to buy a piano. So they said no. But Sister Dionysius kept insisting and saying, I, I really think this girl's got something. So to her credit, she said, look, I'll, I'll start her off for free. I won't charge you anything. So she um, she got me started and I've, I've, I've never looked back. So that's, that's how it started for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'll be eternally grateful for, for that, um, that very happy coincidence, you know, and, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, a nice, to, it's a nice story. It's a, it's a beautiful story. What happened to Sister Dionysius? Um, did you lose touch or were you able to, did we share able to see your success? No, I, I'm not quite sure. She was, look, um, she was spirited away in the middle of the night. Um, 
I, I don't think the other nuns liked her very much. And <laughs> that's true, she just disappeared. <laughs> so it ended up that I, I changed schools because of that. Um, and I went to, um, so I used to go to a school in Tempe, um, the Valley of the Gods. <laughs> Not the dolls, um, the gods. Uh, no, no, that's in ancient Greek mythology. Tempe was um, the, the valley oh, of the gods. Oh, that's what Tempe yeah. means. Okay, right. Yes, there you go. So I've learned um, a few things from you today, Miss Bev. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, uh, so then I went to St. Bridget's Marrickville, which we used to call St. Frigid's. So there I am back in hell again. You're right, there's and, another corner. <laughs> I know, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's plenty of martinis. So <laughs> so when we all go to hell, come and find me. I'm you'll where the party. You'll have a booth. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm where the party and the gossip's at. But um, uh, so I went to St. Bridget's and um, I then had a, a another really lovely. Um, Catholic nun by the name of Sister Alberta who took over with my tuition and and she was just delightful, you know, such a beautiful human and, you know, so so nurturing and, and, and I continued with 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 my studies and 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 it was a, a great thing because I was I was the nerd at school and and I was the only you know it was a very sports orientated school you know the Marrickville Mauler and all of that and I was the the odd one out who who was hopeless at sports I was terrible um, and I was the only one who was into to music um, so it was my my solace and. Um, and and my friend, my best friend. So that that and reading, I'm I'm very big um, reader as well, you know. So I was that awkward kid with with braces and bad skin and hopeless at sports. And I was, I was the just the ultimate nerd. I really was. Is there any opportunity to play in bands or as a repetitor for the school musical or anything like that? There was no such thing as a school musical. Right. It was a, it was a small school. No such yeah. thing. So, um, but it was through the church actually that I um, uh, that I I did continue playing, and I I um, I learnt the organ at at St Bridget's, and the the church organ there, and there's a really nice story in this as well. Um, uh, at St Bridget's was originally built for Sydney Town Hall, um, so it's. A very fine instrument. Um, it's a big organ, then. Some, it is a big organ, and 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 we love a big organ. And um, <laughs> honestly, there's another corner. <laughs> I know, I know. So, um, but for some reason, um, the builders of Sydney Town Hall decided that they wanted an even larger instrument, which eventually they got um, and I've, I've played that instrument at a couple of fun functions as well um, but I used to love listening to, to the pipe organ and actually the, the very first time I I heard live music was in St Bridget's Church and I was about four years old and um, uh, my family weren't particularly religious and my elder stepsister who was about 14 at the time wanted to go to church and I was about four I think so I hadn't started learning music and um, my mother was highly suspicious that my that her stepdaughter wanted to go to church and she thought right there's you know she's she's either wanting to go on meet boys or she wants to go on pervert boys so she said to my sister okay you can go as long as you take your your baby brat sister along with you which must have been just the worst thing for my poor sister so anyway off off to church we went and um i remember sitting there and being fidgety and bored and then i heard the pipe organ and the choir singing and I remember and, and it was one of those um, formative moments in my life um, and trying to put it into words doesn't do it justice because it, it I was so 
stunned and it was like a, um, a soul memory listening to the choir and the pipe organ and and I remember thinking at that age I'm back in heaven with the angels so it and it was just probably the most beautiful moment in my life and the really lovely story behind that story is that that lady who was playing the organ was a lady by the name of Connie Cloran, whose grandson is Daniel Bell. Oh, wow. Who ended up becoming one of my students. Yeah. And is now one of my dearest friends in the whole world. And we work together a lot. And Connie Cloran um, taught me the pipe organ at St. Bridget's as well as Sister Alberta with the piano. So that's... I love, I love serendipity I, 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 like that. It's, it sort of I makes know. you wonder whether we are on a predetermined path and, and things happen for a reason and, and we, we've got to find the, the positives in everything. Yes, yes. It's, and so, you know, it, it's, that's, that's no big coincidence, the, you know, uh, the, the fact that, that you know, Daniel Bell is like... I think of him as like a nephew or a cousin, younger cousin, or so. his family to me, and and the fact that we have, and his grandmother was responsible for his singing career, and um, for my money, I I think that Daniel Bell is one of the finest voices in the world, without a doubt, and and I I really hope that he goes on to have the worldwide success that that he deserves. Yeah, so. So that's that's just a really nice little bit of serendipity, as you say. No, I love it. Yeah, love it, it. it's a nice story. Yeah. Bev, did you have much of an LP collection at home? Are you listening to popular music through your teens also and discovering? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Was it was yes, it Sherbet and Skyhooks and? I was I was a Skyhooks girl, not Sherbet. My best friend was Sherbet. We were constantly arguing about who was better. So no, I was a Skyhooks girl. But but no, I. Um, I was um, I loved Queen, and um, and I listen I listened to anything and everything that I could get my hands on. But I I, I definitely had a um, I, I and I loved my heavy rock as well. You know I love and to this day I still love Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and you know Deep Purple. Well, not so much Deep Purple these days, but um, you know I wanted to be one of the the cool kids. But I did actually genuinely love Queen and Pink Floyd, and and I had a music room, and um, uh, in a I won a, a, this fantastic stereo system um, when I was about sixteen years old, and um, I used to lie in the dark on my my bean bag with my set of these big set of headphones. <laughs> you know, look like something out of, I don't yes. know, <laughs> out of lost in, yeah, lost in space or something. You know, these huge, silly looking things, and I would just listen, sit in the dark, and listen to to anything and everything, and and analyze, you know, everything in as much detail as I possibly could. So, um, and and another lovely thing that that happened to me um uh in my career was that i actually got to meet queen the two of the guys from queen and ben elton when i played for um the we will rock you auditions so that was another childhood dream that i can i can tick off the box and and that was just um uh, an absolute highlight and, and quite surreal, you know, because um, they were in the room for the finals of the auditions for three days. So for three days, I was sitting there playing Bohemian Rhapsody and um, another one, Bites the Dust, and all these tunes that I'd grown up with. And I was looking over to the the audition panel and there's Brian May sitting there with that, that halo of, of, you know, electric curl cool. yeah, yeah 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 
and um, uh, he came over to me on the second day and I thought, oh my God, the heart rate went up and, he, you know, he's about to speak to me, you know, this rock God. And he just said, Bev, you rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I just thought, thank you. I can die happy now. <laughs> so that was one, one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> you, yeah. You've had that unique vantage point many times uh, in the audition room of, of a lot of the, the big commercial musicals as they look for potential cast. That must be an exciting seat to be in. It's, it's an interesting seat to be in, that's for sure, um, because I'm literally the fly on the wall mm. and uh, it's not my place to speak unless I'm spoken to. And... Uh, a lot of times um, people will come in who I think are incredible, you know, and and for some reason or another, um, the casting team are not in the least bit impressed and, and I cannot for the life of me understand, but... Um, and, and vice versa, you know, there's some people who I, I think aren't that impressive the the casting panel are you know doing backflips over and I thought I, I don't see it I don't get it but it's not my place to to ever say anything unless I'm asked yeah. and and then I'll say my bit whether they take it on board or not is up to them you know but but it it's a um it is a a seat that I've um uh, occupied for years, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm mainly an accompanist. That's what I, I think of myself as. That's that's my specialty and that's what I love. Um, and it can quite often be a thankless task being an audition pianist um, because it's it's such a hard gig. It's, it's a really, really difficult job because you have to be a mind reader apart from being a very good sight reader. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a, a a difficult job, but it but it's also it's it's exciting to it keeps you on your toes, you know, and 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 certainly keeps the brain engaged. And um, um, one of the lovely things about the job is if I've been on a show, if I've if I've worked on a show and I've played for the auditions and then I've stayed with the show and then gone through the rehearsal process and then get to the actual show, then that's always such a, a huge reward to see the whole journey of the formation of, you know, how the, the cast has been chosen to then creating the show to then enjoying and experiencing the show. And um, I remember one time uh, someone came up to me and said, you know, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you played for my audition for this show. And, and that, that, you know, just little things like that make it really worthwhile because I would never have thought of it like that, you know, so. Now, do all, do all the auditionees yeah. come in with the appropriately marked up and prepared music for you to play or do you get a jigsaw <laughs> puzzle sometimes that you that you have to work out? Oh. <laughs> so, so there is some learning to be done by, by certain performers. Yes. Because yeah. Yes. There, there is a, a way to mark up to communicate with your accompanist, especially, you know, if you're playing sight unseen or, or haven't met them before. Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I think that's that's the most difficult thing is is when um, auditionees come in with music that's that's barely legible or um, you know hasn't been transposed properly or that they don't know properly and and then they'll they'll turn and glare at you and uh, and that that can be awful you know because you think oh gosh the panel are going to think i'm i'm hopeless if i'm i'm struggling uh, to to decipher this um so yes yes there's a lot to be said to in in terms of 
preparing the music and, and making sure that it is presentable. And yeah, I've I've had you know more nightmares than I care to <laughs> recount in terms of of people not having their music prepared properly and 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 not really understanding what why it hasn't um, why the audition hasn't gone the way. Uh, the auditionee would have liked, but but I guess it comes down to experience and knowledge yeah, and yeah. and uh, yes. So um, are, are any auditionees using um, iPads now with their music on that rather than sheet music? Do, do you have anyone bringing a, in an iPad? A, a couple of times that's happened. Um, I personally, I, I'm old school. I like my um, my pages and. Um, and I've, I've, I know that that's, that's where music will eventually lead to everything being electronic. Um, uh, but it's just, you know, I guess I struggle with uh, if there's repeats, you know, like which corner do you press if you have to go back to a repeat, you yeah. know. So that's yeah. that's the terror for me, you know, if I, if I press the wrong corner corner and, and end up in the wrong spot and um, so I, I personally am, am not really comfortable with with technology um, yeah. in an audition space you know yeah Bev you've worked on over 40 musical theatre shows um, the big commercial beasts that we uh, have the joy to see in theatres around Sydney and, and well, and Australia, really. Billy Elliot, Mamma Mia, The Producers, Lion King, We Will Rock You, Mules, Wedding, Mac and Mabel, Gutenberg, Wicked, Avenue Q, Pirates of Penzance. I could go on and on, but we don't have the time. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a commonality <laughs> yes, to, to musical theatre. The, the, the form, but there's also a vast array of styles and, and sounds in there, you know, depending on the show. How do you prepare something like, say, Jersey Boys, which is a jukebox musical of popular songs, compared to something like The Producers, which is such a, a love letter to the golden age of, of Broadway? Um, how do you play with style or, or in, inform yourself about style? I, I find playing different styles comes very easily to me um, uh, so um, I think because I am classically trained and um, without wanting to sound vain I'm I, I know I'm a good feel and, and contemporary player so it's it, it's just a matter of learning the score you know and I, I find that it comes fairly naturally and and fairly easily to me you know um the producers would take a bit more practice because it's um uh, you know a lot uh meatier i suppose um it, but it, jersey boys as as a musical was was just you know as a, a piece of cake it's so so simple but um that that show uh, um, is more about the time like just keeping solid time with those pop tunes you know whereas um uh the producers is is a lot more involved but but um certainly learning and and playing shows is not it it's not a difficult thing for me to to learn um and and play different styles so do you get to uh, spend much time with a score before you go into the pit yeah most of the time i usually do yeah and um um i mainly i i always ask for a desk recording because i i rely upon my ears a lot to um make sense of the music that's that's on the page so um because the, the reading the music or the the is really just it's data, you know. Um, but if I can hear it, I can make sense of what the actual um, uh, character or personality of the music is. You know, other people would say style. I like to think of music as um, having a, a personality, a, a person. Yeah, yeah, like get, getting to know someone, you know, so making sense of of the data and bringing that data to life. So if I can listen to it, then that's 
that's how how I relate to it, you know, and and make that data um, come to life for myself, you know. Yeah. So so listening and and playing along with 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 the um, recording is is how I do my homework. Yeah. So so how did you enter this big, wide, wonderful world of musical theatre? What was what was the first gig? What was your gateway to uh, working in the theatre? Okay, so um, this is a funny story too. So I, um, back in the day when I first started out, I was I was playing in piano bars when there used to be such a thing, um, and I was also playing in rock bands. Um, and I remember one time I lived in Brisbane for a little while, and I was playing in a um, piano bar there, and a um, a fellow came up to me and said, um, look, I'm really good mates with Simon Gallagher and he's looking for a piano player and I think you'd be great. And I thought, oh, yeah, the number of times, you know, someone's come up to me and said, I, I want to make you a star, baby. And and I just thought, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but somehow or other, this fellow found my home number. So this is, predates mobile phones because, you know, People would have figured out by now how old I am, <laughs> and uh, so he'd he'd found my my private home number and called me, and to this day I don't know how he found my home number, and said, "Look, I'm going to tee up an audition for you with Simon Gallagher," and um, so that's that's what happened. I went and met Simon Gallagher. Um, and the fellow who who introduced me is is a, a lovely man by the name of Trevor Green, who um, was with the Queensland Ballet, and then went on to star in um, Cats. So he moved over to the world of music theatre. And I don't know if you know Trevor Green, but no, but he oh he's he's lovely, lovely human being. And um, even though his background and and main medium is is in dance he is also a fabulous singer and um good all-round what we call triple threat i suppose um, um so he introduced me to simon gallagher and um from doing some some gigs with with simon um i then was recommended for a musical which was um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with Tina Arena before really? she went overseas. Yeah, wow. when she was the, the narrator. Was yeah, that David Dixon she... as Joseph? That's correct. Oh, yep, so that, Ma that was and my... Michael, Michael Cormick as Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right. Yep, Gee, yes, <laughs> and, 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 Michael, and gorgeous Michael Tyak. So that was my first musical. So I was always aware of music theatre and it was a, a medium that I... I loved, but I just it like it was like looking over a bridge to to North Sydney, and I was on the other side of that bridge, and I had no idea how to get to that world. I just I didn't have a clue how to um, make a connection to get into that world. So it was through a chance meeting that led to me meeting Simon Gallagher, and then that whole world opened up to me and I was home. And yeah. and it is my home. And um, uh, and even though I do have my regrets that I didn't sort of um, follow, I guess what would have been my, my, my first, uh, well, my, my true love, which was, was jazz, I didn't, um, go down that path because I, you know, had had a scary experience with a with a, a jazz teacher when I was younger. But but I, I was I think I was meant to to end up in in theatre because it's to me it's it's my church, you know. It's it's a, a, a um, and I think that's how how theatre started out with with the ancient Greeks. You know, it was a, a spiritual. Um, uh, community experience, and and that's what it is for me. You know, I, I, um, uh, there's a, a sacredness, you know, and I would 
I never take it for granted. Just the uh, the the uh, communication, the spiritual communication that 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 occurs between just that that magic that that comes to when it all comes together with all of that hard work that that happens in the rehearsal process and and the um, the team behind the scenes and on the stage and in the pit and and everywhere that 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 creates a, a, a piece of magic and um, so and 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 it incorporates my love of all styles of music whether it's pop or operetta or rock or you know the golden age of music with storytelling you know being a big big reader and lover of of literature you know i was always a bookworm so so for me it's 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 and and i love the discipline i love the the, the discipline of um working eight shows a week as well you know and and finding the the energy um to to maintain um the sacredness of of the fact that even though you know you may have been playing a show for for over a year for the audience it's their first time so it's it's worth finding the energy and and giving it its its due respect you know yeah so f so for me the theater is is home and 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 church for me so so you're at the theatre eight shows a week. It's your workplace. What's the first thing you do when you arrive at work? Do you have a little routine that you go through once you arrive and prepare for the show? Oh, look, I just go and... Gossip. <laughs> I usually try and, and, and say some outrageous things to the band. <laughs> try and make people laugh. I'm, I'm a bit of a prankster and, you know, like to to joke around and do naughty things so within reason <laughs> yeah the the, un the unfortunate band and orchestra are, are often crammed into tiny tight spaces you know the conditions that you have to deal with sometimes are extraordinary yeah. does it make it difficult to deliver the goods uh, and what and, and what sort of broom closets have you been in <laughs> i've been in many broom closets <laughs> in Look, it just it just adds to the fun of of like well this is this is where we are let's make the most of it and let's have fun. So I know that one time when I was working at the the State Theatre, um, because there is no orchestra pit at the State Theatre, so there's there's a tiny space where the pipe organ is. Yeah, so and the State, State Theatre in Sydney, of course. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, beg your pardon, yes, so State Theatre. We have a worldwide but, audience, Bev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so there isn't actually an orchestra pit. There is a, a semblance of a space and we had to climb up a ladder to get into this very cramped space. And, and luckily it was only a seven-piece orchestra, I think. Um, so, um, and the the edge of the stage um, used to come down. Um, uh, so my keyboard was set up underneath the stage, and so what I had to do was when I had to play, I had to stick my head out from under this wooden lip um, that came down from the stage, stick my head out, and and play, and then when I'd finished playing. I would pop my head down and um, and sit with this. Um, I don't know if I'm 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 painting the image very well, but there was like a it, it covered my face. This this wooden sort of beam that came down from the stage. So and because I was sitting there on my own, I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to pretend I'm Michelangelo and create my own Sistine Chapel. So I got a piece of chalk and I just graffitied all, <laughs> all over the the underneath of the stage. And I wonder to this day if 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 all of my nonsense that I <laughs> that probably I probably still there. Like, I hope it is because it's it's it was it's it's not Michelangelo, but it's it's um but it's it's 
I'd like to think it's pretty funny. You know, I tried to recreate the the um, creation of man. You know, God reaching out and 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 the apple and the demon. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, the fingers pointing, so, touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did all that with a piece of chalk. So you've got to do something too. <laughs> Because the, mu uh, the musos yeah. don't often have visual access to the performers. So how do you maintain the reins of the show and, and keep in sync? Uh, mainly just uh, through technology, you, you know, with, with camera screens and headphones and and um, uh, and touch wood. I've never had an experience where anything has sort of collapsed in terms of the technology with that sort of thing. But it's, it's always that much harder to, to get that sort of stuff up and running um, because you don't have a direct line of communication when you're stuck in a room outside um, or behind the stage and, you know, you're trying to get sound happening and, um, uh, you know, tempers can get frayed when, when things aren't happening and, um, um, but, but when, when the band are off mic and there's dialogue on stage, it's time for a nice little chat and we catch up on our week and, you know, um, talk about the news and have a little gossip and say naughty things. <laughs> is so it, we is keep it, it interesting. Is it exhausting uh, doing eight shows a week when you're, you're playing a show which is like um, uh, two and a half hours nonstop sometimes, you know, without, without a break? Yes. Or, you know, short, short interval. But um, how do you look after yourself? Do you go to regular massage or? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I need that because um, being a, a, yeah, being a musician is, is, is you know, uh, um, it's physically very difficult. You know, some instruments are a lot harder than than others. Um, uh, yes, I try and stay as healthy as as I, I possibly can. Um, uh, uh, but it is an, un, an unnatural thing to for, to put our bodies into the, these awkward positions. You know, like when you think about violinists, they quite often have problems with their neck, and and drummers will. Quite Quite often get RSI with from the shock of, you know, the um, just beating things. Uh, it's it's like being a labourer or, or an athlete in many ways. And if only the government would would yeah. acknowledge that <laughs> and see us as, you know, being equivalent um, or the, as worthy as as athletes. Because really, you know, playing an instrument is is. I think as as difficult as as being an elite athlete, but but yes, certainly I, I I do try and and look after my body as as and and my mind as much as possible. You know, sometimes it's it's. I think the hardest thing is to switch off. You know, mentally because you've got the music going through your head. So sleep is all has always been a problem for me, and. Um, uh, probably a lot of my colleagues as well, I, I would dare say. Yeah. Do you, do you get the equivalent of, of, you know, the actors dry? You know, as performers, actors go out there sometimes and think, oh, my God, what am I about to say? What's my line of dialogue? Is that the same with musicians? I know you've got the music in front of you, but do you sometimes sit down and think, how do I begin? Where do I start? What, what am I about to play? Uh, that's only ever happened to me once. I'm pretty good with with focusing and and being on top of things, so um, uh, and and probably because we do have the safety net of of having charts and music in front of us and yeah, so um, but I don't know about other musicians. Um, uh, yeah, I, I know some musicians aren't as focused or as disciplined, but. Um, you know that that comes with time and most usually and um, and dedication, but um, it's it's hasn't been an issue for me up until this point. Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch wood. <laughs> mm, yes. Now, Bev, Bev, I'm dying to find out more about Claire's Kitchen, where you uh, ah, the, yes. uh, are you the shall we say the artistic director of of Claire's, which is a a fabulous cabaret venue in Sydney. It is. It is, and I'm I'm I am so proud of of um the work that um that we do in there because it's it's a collective 
effort. So I work very closely with with Mark Kuzma or Claire Delune, um, which is uh, is his alter ego, um, and um, I, I guess um, talent coordinator. I, I, I like to think of myself as um, yeah. or the the booking agent. Um, I don't like the word curator. I don't know why. You don't I like just... your... well, yes, it reminds me of toenails or something. Uh, look, I, I think it's a bit wanky, to be honest. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but but you can I'm, say I'm anything, not... Bev. I'm I'm not fond of the word curator for 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 no reason that I can. But but, but you find the talent and yeah. and you often I do uh, work yeah. with them to prepare them or um, their show. Work with them on the show. I do quite often, and um, but look. Being the the talent coordinator and the booking agent, I am very particular in terms of making it very clear that it's that I'm not um, it's not a package deal, and I definitely uh, make a point of not abusing my position as being a uh, an accompanist to try and. Um, promote work for myself I actually actively say to every act that I book look I'm you know I, I want diversity in the place um, so I keep my myself as an accompanist as separate as I possibly can um, and try and promote um, as much musical variety and 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 plus I, I think it's a good thing to to not only have have musical variety, um, but to share the share the love around as well. You know, I want to see my my colleagues um, have gigs as well. So I think that's very important. Um, so, for example, we've had um, Emma Pask, and um, you know, there's there's no way I'd I'd be the right accompanist for her, um, and. Um, you know some some opera singers uh, who who have uh, you know pe people have their own own people who they like to work with you know and and I completely get that and encourage that so um, but yeah it's it's certainly a job that I'm 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 very proud of and um, um, and it's not without its challenges. Um, but uh, it's 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 been a great gig, yeah. You've got your finger on the pulse. You you'd be aware of of every performer in in the country, I think, who would be, be appropriate. Uh, yeah, do, you, do, you, do you chase after them, or do you get lots of um, emails? Both, both. both. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So it was um, quite a an unexpected gig that sort of fell into my lap like like most of my 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 life and my career it's all been a whole lot of um uh serendipity or happy coincidences you know um whereas mark had um uh jeremy brennan originally was was booking the room and i i think after a while he he just said oh look i've i've, I've had enough after about a year and fair enough um but that was pre-covid when they used to just have one show a week and everyone was happy with with that um and then uh, another fellow took over for about six months um and i think that he was finding it a bit more difficult than than what he thought the job would be so then mark approached me because i was playing in there a lot and just said do you, do you want to do this gig and and at first i thought oh well I, gosh i i don't really know if i can um but when i thought about it i thought well you know what i've worked very closely with with um, Trevor Ashley, who of course we all know and love, um, yep. La, Trash La Trashley, or <laughs> Lovey as we call each other, and um, um, he's going to be in that, that special little corner with me <laughs> drinking martinis in the afterlife. Um, <laughs> uh, and I had worked with him, well, you know, we've been mates for forever, and um, uh, when we used to do Show Queen, I used to look after 
you know, arranging rehearsals and looking after charts and booking the band and liaising with the artists. So, so I, um, I actually asked Trevor, um, can I put on my CV that that I've been co-producer as as show queen because it's not something that I necessarily think of myself as being. And he said, "Oh, sure, lovey, yeah, go ahead, do that." So, so I did. And when I thought about it, that you know, well, this is what I've been doing all my life is booking bands and and yeah. you know booking artists for for charity gigs and you know referring people and recommending people for 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 jobs. And so I thought, yeah, I. I I can do this, and um, but yes, some people I I absolutely have to chase and chase and chase that that I'm really keen on having in the space, and then I get some some people who I just know wouldn't be right for the room, and and that's difficult because you know I'm a I'm a people pleaser and I want everyone to love me, and <laughs> and sometimes I just have to say no, and yeah. and um, and as politely as I put it, sometimes I, I have made a, you know, a few, few people who who think that I'm mean, and and that's not the case at all. It's just a, a business decision, you know. But um, uh, it's it's a, a very challenging job in terms of of coordinating artists and making sure that the the uh, the mix of artists is flows well. Um, and that we have the right variety and and making sure that that people get back to me in time with their publicity so that we can release it all um, because we, we do everything on a monthly basis um, but after we came out of lockdown um, we were only permitted um, half capacity in the space so so the room usually seats up to 60 um, and with social distancing um, we could only have 30 and we had two months worth of shows sold out. So, um, for example, the, the first show that we had back after the, the first lockdown was Lynn Shakespeare and she had two sold out shows. So we had to place her two nights over four nights. So then then the whole thing just exploded and we went from doing one show a night to doing up to four shows a week and it just continued on from there until of course the latest lockdown and now we're going to have to do it all again um, where we've got two months worth of shows sold out shows that we're going to have to reschedule but we've done it once we're going to do it again um, and the really lovely thing well, one of the lovely things is that most of the ticket holders who are either fierce and firm uh, uh, Claire's patrons or fans of the artists um, have decided to, to hang on to their tickets. So about yeah. 90%, which well, I, is... I, I, I was I was set to see Donna Lee and I'm, I'm hanging on to my ticket because I can't wait uh, to see. She's an extraordinary performer. I love Donna so much. Well, we've... She was meant to be doing two shows, so um, so we have got her scheduled in for early September. So, which I will be playing for because Donzi and I are great mates, right. and um, so I'll see you there hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> fingers fingers crossed. Although although bloody we may old, have to do bloody old COVID. I know what. A how, how are you looking uh, after yourself? Um, in t are you managing to walk and and give structure to your day and all that sort of thing with COVID? Uh, not really. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> no, no. And only because I've I've just had some um, some health issues lately. So you know I've been dealing with some some health things from the beginning of this year, which that I can. Um, uh, most of my mates, my music mates, know about, but I've I've just literally been given it all clear. So, so hopefully life will, will get back to some sort of normality for me soon. So, yeah. Well, that's brilliant news. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. 
thank you. Do you say congratulations and something like that? Yes, you can. Oh, I'll, I'll well take done. it. You can yeah. say whatever you like. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, because you're yeah, su such a, a vital part of the of the music uh, industry scene in Australia, or in the theatre scene as well, of course. So um, it'll be great to have you back. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking back to looking forward to getting back to you know. Um, uh, just doing what I love and, um, yeah, a few shows left in the old girl yet. And, um, yeah, and drawing Sistine chapels on, um, on wooden uh, yeah, beams I, under stages. I know. I'm so naughty. <laughs> <laughs> naughty, Bev. Bev, thanks. Have yeah, you had yeah. a nice time chatting? I I've loved talking I, to you. I, I absolutely have. Yes, thank you so much for, for thinking of me. It makes me feel all all important, you know, because I, I know the calibre of, of, of people that you um, have on your podcast. So I'm, I'm really chuffed and, and, and just so thrilled and honoured that, that I'm, I'm in such esteemed company. So, so thank you for... Well, you're, for... you're certainly part of that calibre as well, Bev Kennedy. Oh, and, thank and you. An essential addition. Oh, thank you. Yes, well, I, I certainly love my industry and and um, uh, and love my my music theatre family. And because at, at the end of the day, we really are a family. Bit of a crazy bunch, but but a family nonetheless. And and one that I'm so grateful for. So so yes, I've I've loved this time. And 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 thank you for for thinking to to, to speak to me. <laughs> Thanks, Bev. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll see you at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> A martini for two. Yes, absolutely. Bev is a tonic. She's a passionate musician and she cherishes her craft. She's also a mighty fine person as well. Bev Kennedy. The Stages podcast appreciates all of your correspondence. Thanks for your emails, your texts, your messages... Don't forget that you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook socials also. Twitter too. Thanks for joining us in this episode. You can check out all of the episodes featured in the podcast by visiting our website, www.stagespodcast.com.au. Do check it out. I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time.